there's something special about Miami at this point in time that if we position the product correctly, you know, we can we can we can pursue that while at the same time uh, leveraging our Cuban heritage, the fact that you know we were the first beer ever produced in Cuba, and 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 because of sort of that positioning, this is very important as well is go after a broad market. Sure. Right, because if you think about it from a pure market segmentation perspective, a craft Seg- segmentation that is a big Ooh, word, big word, big big, big big marketing word. Uh, you're listening to Pancom Podcast. I am Nick Jimenez. I'm joined, as usual, by the Pastelito Push-Up Bra sponsored chef and eighth grade basketball MVP, Michael Bedran. Say hello to the people. Oh, man. Sound effects. This is good. Yep. And we are joined today by guest Manny Portuondo. Manny is exhausted because he has been through a period of opening Miami's most talked about new brewery. Yeah. Cervecería La Tropical, which I really like saying. Say it again. Say it one more time. Cervecería La Tropical. Wow. You should really hire this guy to do all your uh, commercials. That's $100 an episode. <laughs> That's true. Ads at datemag.com. It's true. true. Uh, That's cheap. Yeah. Poo, you take That's fuck. You heard it here first, everyone. You're getting a fucking deal. These are very reasonable prices. Yeah. Uh, so, Manny, thank you for uh, for joining yeah, thanks, us. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. Really excited about being with you. I'm actually today. shocked that you're here, man. I mean, after opening, uh, you know, like four, it's four days ago. Yeah, four right? days ago. It's been... It's- I, I know how that feels, and none of my locations are quite as large as your brewery. So, thank you so much for being here. No, thank you. It's been it's been incredible. We've had a really overwhelming demand for for the beer, the food, the ambiance. Uh, I, th- I was telling you earlier, we have had over 500 covers a day mm. between fr- uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Actually, Sunday, which is kind of interesting, was our was our biggest day. Yeah, um, and you know, it was fun to see also the types of customers that we got, you know, how, how there's different consumers at different day parts and, and different mm-hmm. days. And Friday was a big happy hour type of crowd that yep. then morphed into, into dinner. Yep. Uh, Saturday was a little bit uh, older, uh, people more dining out and, and trying the beer. And Sunday was just I, my favorite day. It was a uh, multi-generational, yep. abuelos, abuelas, uh, sons and daughters, kids all over the place, dogs. Yep. It was it was a lot of fun, actually. I mean, you're because um, I've visited twice now. I visited once when it was nothing; that was a shell of a warehouse. And you were like, the "Kitchen's going to go here," and I'm like, "Cool, the kitchen's going to go here." <laughs> and then there's going to be a bar here, and I'm like, "Cool, there's going to be a bar here." I mean, I understand what it's like to like envision that in your head and look at an empty space and be like, "We're going to do all these things here," because I now I'm doing that on a daily basis. Like, okay, well, the coffee machine's going to go here, and it's like only you can understand it, or then, people like you, right, yeah. that have done it before, or. Um, you know, and then I went, what was it, two weeks ago now? Yeah. Two weeks ago, and it's, like, impressively gorgeous. I mean, everything is, like, so spot on. And I think it's just, like, it's a location that caters so well to, like, this time of year, outdoors. It's beautiful out. Sunday, I feel like, is going to be a big day for you in general because it's, like, people want to go out, especially now. People want to be outside. People want to hang out. People want to chill. It's, like, it's got a great, you know... And I haven't even been while it's been open, but you can see the ambiente is already like like that. Yeah, you know, it's such a wonderful place. You know, I, I, I've told you the story. I'll tell it to your audience as well. It's something that I've been dreaming about in my head for 23 years, right? Right. And um, 
I had the opportunity to realize that that vision with an investment partner like Heineken that I, I otherwise would not have been able to do mm. what I what I put together. And what's so neat about it is that um, as you enter La Tropical, you enter first a tropical botanical garden, right, in the middle of the city that's been curated with, with trees that we flew in literally on cranes, right, and plopped into what was a parking lot before, yep. which is pretty amazing. And then, you know, once you finish sort of, I have a Cuban Saba in the, uh, yep. in the garden, sausage tree, a bunch of royal palms, all types of um, native Florida palms from a thatch palm, a cornopecia palm, a, a, a sacatenca palm. Um, I have a wall of orchids with over 100 orchids of all different species. Oh, yeah? Um, I yeah, didn't see that. You didn't see, it wasn't installed when you were Oh, there. yeah? Yeah, those are the things that kind of changed. I got to go back see so the wall of so orchids. That, that old, you know, that, you know, one of the things that even though we, I'll talk about the building in a second when we redeveloped the building, one of the only things that we didn't touch was the um, the the inner the inside portion of an exterior wall that is the exterior wall that uh, uh, basically divides the property from the sidewalk in, and that 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 wall. The reason why I didn't touch it is a really cool story because that building that we bought uh, in the fifties was a Pillsbury bread distribution facility, and so that wall had these built-in little slots. Um, that were part of that wall, which is where the uh, truckers would uh, bring out the bread pans that would carry the breads, and they would stick them in these little little grooves, little slots, uh-huh. and they would wash down the pans before they bring them in. And I said, oh, man, how cool. What if we leave that? And working with our landscape architects, we came up with the idea, of what if we do an orchid wall within those slots? And it mm. came out just spectacular. They put driftwood all, all over the frames. Oh, I saw, it, I saw yeah. it, but I didn't see yeah, it just, the orchids. Just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I, uh, so anyhow, this, this botanical garden, when you, when you, when you come in, uh, you also notice a live music stage yep. for live performances. We had live, live music this weekend, which was uh, fantastic to see. Um, and then once you're done with that, you actually enter the, the space. When you enter the space, it's um, an indoor-outdoor type of space with these um, huge uh, glass garage doors that divide the inside from the outside. Uh, and then once you you know you, you walk inside, um, you see a floor-to-ceiling glass um, dividing the brewery from the tap room. And the, the brewery is spectacular. I I I, I I I tell everybody that you know. The brewery in and of itself is pretty cool, but that isn't that spectacular. It's just another fucking brewery, right? right? What makes it different is the scale of the brewery. And the scale of the brewery uh, is, you know, probably makes us one of the top three, four, five largest craft breweries from a production perspective in the state of Florida in the middle of the city. Yeah. Right? Most larger production facilities would be behind a commercial district in an airport or some we're in the we're in, in a downtown location right and we have this mega facility and that's what makes it i think so at least for me as a sort of a beer geek so cool you know this episode of Pancong podcast is brought to you by our sponsor drew estate and master blender willie herrera who are proud to introduce the herrera esteli miami cigar Crafted by Level 9 Cuban Rollers at El Titan de Bronce in Calle Ocho, the complete Herrera Esteli Miami line is expertly rolled with a lavish Ecuadorian Habano Oscuro wrapper over a rich Ecuadorian Sumatran binder 
with select fillers from the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua. The new look of Herrera Esteli Miami features a black and gold color tone and is available in the following five Vitolas. Nick, tell everyone, what is a Vitola? A Vitola, and by the way, I would like everyone listening to this ad to know, this is the first take, and we're doing very well. <laughs> I am shocked. I have no idea what's going on, and I have to say it's because of the an- anxious coffee that Nick has made. Me. Oh, man. Just wait for the poops. Uh, a Vitola, the term Vitola refers to the sizes of the cigars, right? So some of the common ones that people hear are Robusto and Corona and mm. Churchill. Uh, those are all terms for Vitolas. The five Vitolas that Just, the... I want to interrupt you because it's not always about the size of the cigar. That's true. It is the type of cigar. So tell them. That's true. So the five, the five Vitolas that, uh, that Herrera Tele comes in are Herrera Tele Miami Robusto Grande, five by 50. Should we go with like, uh, anglicized pronunciations? Is it a, for, cause your name is on the sandwich. Is this a Robusto Grande or a Robusto Grande? I mean, it depends. How do you feel like our listeners in Salina would feel? I want them to feel like it's Robusto Grande. Bueno, that's a good Vitola. So Robusto Grande, which is a 5 by 50, by the way, for the uninitiated, 5 by 50 means it is 5 inches long and 50 64ths of an inch in diameter. So uh, close to 5 six. So just you have painting a picture here in your mind. Robusto Grande, which is a 5x50, Toro Especial, which is 6x52, Lonsdale Deluxe, a 6.5x44, Piramide Fino, 6.5x54, Short Corona Gorda, which is 5 and 3 quarters by 48. This cigar is exclusive to Drew Diplomat Retailers. For more information, you can visit DrewEstate.com. That's D-R-E-W Estate.com. Or follow them at, at Drew Estate Cigar on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Mike, you had this cigar. I know that you're a Drew Estate fan. I am a Drew Estate fan. I'm very glad that they've come on as a partner. As a general rule, I want to make sure that to the extent that we can, and we've pulled this off so far, we're only partnering with people and taking money from people whose products we're actually into. Like Santos. Uh, absolutely like Santos Sangria. Santos Sangria. I, I, I actually have told them, like, I'll, listen, I'll give you an ad because I'm out of Santos Sangria. Right. Uh, I have to say that um, after going through this ad, one of the things that sticks out to me the most is how very much I feel like this is softcore Cinemax porn at 11 o'clock. Explain to everyone a rich Ecuadorian <laughs> Sumatran binder how that doesn't sound... Very sexual. Listen, I, I don't know that the people at Drew Estate would object to our <laughs> selling not. them as a sexual product. Yeah. Uh, but in case anybody's curious about what that even means, so Ecuadorian Sumatran binder. So I, Sumatran is not a style of... That's the thing. Of sexual style. It's not a sexual style. Got it. I mean, although it depend- some people do sexual things with their cigars. All right. Listen, you open this door. Man, we fucked this ad up already. <laughs> Jeez. No, but uh, but Ecuadorian Sumatran. That might sound confusing to people who know their geography because Ecuador and Sumatra are both places. It is a Sumatran binder, meaning that it is a variety of tobacco uh, named for Sumatra, but it was grown in Ecuador. And you see this a lot in cigars where you have a an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper 
which means that it's a uh, Connecticut tobacco variety, but grown in Ecuador. People who listen to this podcast are going to hear us smoke. Pretty soon, we're going to have Willie Herrera, the master blender, on as a guest on the podcast. Uh, if you're curious about cigars, that is definitely one you want to tune in for. I have to say that I, I smoke a pretty good wide range of cigars, and I, I gravitate towards Drew Estate a lot. I mm-hmm. think that the consistent how consistent and good those cigars are is like very rare and we've talked about that a lot like you know sometimes you'll get a cigar and then it'll be great and then you go back to get it like six months later and it's just not as good i've never had that experience with drew estate stuff and it's like i I don't know i've i've been a fan for a long time way before they started paying me to say i was a fan (laughs) way no it's true yeah it's true. No, we've been to cigar shops together more than once. You've pointed out Drew Estate things. But that's what like, I, I, I actually, smoked that, and that's awesome. The red label uh, Herrera Esteli, I smoke every week. Yeah, yeah. Every week, it'll be the first, like, you know, when I go to one of these places, I'll go, that's the first thing I grab, and then I'll go into something else second yeah. if I decide to smoke two or three that day. So I'm glad you brought that up because I want to make a distinction here. You, you referenced the, the one that has the, the red, red label. label on red it. Red and gold, yeah. And that's the core Herrera Esteli which is made in Esteli. Esteli is uh, the Nicaraguan sort of capital of cigar making. The Herrera Esteli Miami that we've been talking about is actually made, and this is referenced in the copy that we read, but El Titan de Bronce in, in Little Havana. Uh, so this is also a cigar that you want to go after, and I remember I, I uh, passed this along to one of our friends in the uh, social media sphere who was putting together a list of local businesses, and I said, ah. like, hey, you might want to check out El Titan de Bronce. Uh, and El Titan in Little Havana is not just in Miami, but in the country, one of a very, very small number of American cigar factories that actually distribute all over the place. So it's cool that, you know, uh, that this is a product that people everywhere have access to. Um, and, and it comes from a small factory in Miami that has a, a very good reputation, not just all over the country, but all over the world. Somebody gave me one of these Miami ones for Christmas. So it was delicious. Merry Christmas. So, again, this cigar is exclusive to Drew Estate, uh, to Drew Diplomat Retailers. For more information, DrewEstate.com or follow them, Drew Estate Cigar on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We expect sales to go up 20% after this ad. I might cut that out. I think we're jumping the gun here. Mm-hmm. We're getting ahead of ourselves. We're talking about the thing as it stands now. I'd like to go like back in history because mm-hmm. you said this is a been a 23 year kind of like unfolding of the thing. So let's talk about how long and why this has taken so long. And I know that obviously you shared the story with me when we met over a year ago. Um, but I was, I, I mean, obviously I was fascinated by the story. I think it's incredible. Um, so talk about like how that all worked out. I mean, going from 23 years of thinking about it to the way it stands now, what happened 23 years ago to now? Yeah, so it's a really cool story. It's really been my passion project in life. Everyone has one, um, and this was mine. And um, so the story starts in 1888. Um, my great-great-grandfather, a gentleman by the name of Federico Colli, um, He's a large landowner in Cuba and a developer. So he developed um, the Coli neighborhood in, in, in Havana, the Miramar neighborhood in Havana, the Vedado neighborhood in, in Havana. And in the, in the um, late 1800s, he sells 100 acres of land 
on the outskirts of Havana in an area called El Bosque de, de La Habana uh, to another family called the Blanco Herrera family. There was a, 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 a industrialist uh, a family that had o- other businesses as well. A hundred acres. A hundred acres. Wow, that's a lot of. A hundred acres. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. And it's uh, it, you know this. If you've been to Cuba before, I was there once in 2015. El Bosque de La Habana is this magical place. It's like this. It's, it's a forest uh, on the outskirts of Havana, and you know it has a river that runs through. It's called the Almendares River. That uh, starts at the at the mouth of the of the of the Atlantic Ocean of the, of the bay and then runs all the way in through the you know the inner part of Cuba, and so this river cuts through El Bosque de La Habana, and, and again my grandfather owned a lot of that land and he sells a hundred acres of land to the Blanco Herrera family, and the Blanco Herrera family, which are my partners today, I'll, I'll talk about that in, in a second. They founded the Cuban beer industry with this brewery called Cervecería La Tropical in 1888, and La Tropical beer. Eh, la primera cerveza cubana, the first beer ever brewed on Cuban soil. And so that's sort of where it starts. Eh, by 1960, the, uh, the brewery, La Tropical, becomes the largest brewery in Cuba, producing over 60% of all the annual production capacity of the, of the island with multiple brands. You know, we're all from Miami, so and we're all Cuban, so we know the Cuban story very well. 1960, yep. Cuban Revolution, a, a private property is uh, nationalized, and a lot of our families, uh, and my family specifically, you know, flees Cuba, and, and, and you know, we're all born here, product of, of that of that exodus. Mm-hmm. A, and really, between 1960 and 1998, a, outside of Cuba, the brand vanishes it's gone it disappears you know i had heard as a kid i had heard stories growing up but i don't know about you guys you know when i was uh 15 years old i can give a shit about cuba or anything else i was worried about where we're gonna get laid and uh with what girl and you know i was playing football i, I that, that was the furthest from my mind oh, at that point in time days. okay Sorry. so <laughs> and uh so but but then i i got to my middle to late 20s and something chip changed in my head, right? And, and the chip went from not giving a shit to where did I come from and why are we here and, and how, what was the story? And, hey, tell me again, Grandma, about those stories. that you where, where were you at that age? Like, where did you live? You lived here still? Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, well, yeah, I was uh, born and raised in Miami, a, a Westchester boy, Coral uh, Park uh, 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 Elementary, a, a, a boy, and then uh, we moved away, and I ended up coming back for for high school. Um, and I went to Belen Jesuit um, here in uh, another Miami. Belen grad. Yeah, yeah, yeah these Belen graduates. Yeah, I feel like Nick is stacking the books. <laughs> here he goes with Nick stacking the books Nick, again. Nick with is more bringing Belen all his graduates. Belen friends to the to That's the podcast. Being a man for others over here. Yeah, <laughs> I got it, I got it. you just got some points for Father Willie. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> who is Father Willie and what does he do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So actually, a little little uh, side story. So we're getting ready to. Uh, to open up the brewery, and of course, you know, you go to Belen, you got some a bunch of priests that are your friends, right? So I said, I, I called one of them up, Father Eddie, which uh, was a very uh, you know influential priest, and in, when I was there, he's now the, the head priest at uh, Jesuit Church in downtown uh, Miami. So Father Eddie, you know, I need a favor. You know, I have this this wonderful brewery. I need to 
pour some holy water on this thing. I, you gotta, I, I gotta get some good luck going. You, you know? got to. You yeah. Got so, to, so I actually sage, holy water, whatever the fuck whatever, you whatever is gonna work. I need, I need it. You know. So he. He came in uh, about two weeks ago and brought like a big old bottle of holy water, and he sprayed it on every piece of machine throughout okay, the I kitchen, the thing. And I then I said, that. I said, Father, hey, by the way, I have this uh, centrifuge filter, which is a very important piece of machinery. We got one in the uh, brewery that helps, uh, you know, uh, filter the beer. And I said, you know, Father, this this thing's been giving me a lot of headache the past couple of weeks, you know. It's having some me- mechanical issues. Can you can you give me a little extra dose? So he went in there and he yeah. poured out the bottle. I can swear to God, the machine's working right now. The Maybe. holy water worked. Uh, we changed a couple of the parts too, but but yeah. but, the, but the holy water it's really worked. distilled water. So <laughs> it, it bears mentioning, given the type of business this is, we're talking about Jesuits. So how much beer did they go back home with? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> they, they brewed that stuff before it was even invented. Jesuits will work for booze. <laughs> but anyhow, so so going back to the story, and you know, my late twenties, I started getting really interested with the family story. I had heard about my great grandfather and these lands next to the brewery. As a matter of fact, my 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 grandmother's home was near the brewery, and um, and so I said, man, I, you know, this is nuts. How did that just like vanish and disappear? And no one did anything about it. I mean, obviously, people did some tried, tried things about it, and, and they, they went to jail, and some got executed. My dad's a Bay of Pigs uh, veteran, spent two years in political jail in Cuba. So yeah, a lot of, but but no one did anything about the business. And I said, you know what? I I, I just I got to do something about it. I want to do something about it. And I began to research everything that I can possibly read and get my hands on on La Tropical. I spent. Uh, I'd say good four months of my life at the University of Miami Cuban Archives, reading every single piece of literature that's ever been written about La Tropical, whether in a magazine, in a book, or in an ad. And I did that. Uh, there was no internet, at least not like we know it today. It was right. on microfiche. So not, I became not, an expert. Not the Google machine. No, 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 no. You had to go and put the time, baby, in front of uh, uh, one of those machines uh, you find the um, the uh, microfiche and start spinning that thing, and I, I became an expert at picking out the L's of La Tropical when the thing was moving like a hundred miles an hour, right? Uh, the, the film, and anyhow, I, I read everything that I could read, and more importantly, I was able to find who was the last management team at La Tropical pre 1960. Who were their, what were their names? What did they do? And because of that, I found the last master brewer of La Tropical, um, who, whose name was Julio Fernandez Seyes. And then once I identified him through this research, I hit the Abuelita Network in Miami yeah. to see who knew him. That's a thick network. Yeah, right? it's a thick That's, network. Yeah, you get all the info network. you need there. You, you, you cannot get by in Miami without the Abuelita Network, right? The Abuelita Network is... Is deep, brother. Yeah. You know, it goes. It goes. They sponsor underground. us also. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They sponsor us also. And so through that network, we'll be invoicing you soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that will. They know everything and everybody. Okay, let me tell you. So, Sonia, through that Alvarita network, I actually found Julio um, in 1999, actually 1998, um, and of course, like everything in, in Miami. The guy lived like 10 blocks from my house. Oh, amazing. Okay, he lived in a condominium in, in, in Coral Gables on Biltmore Way. I lived on wow. Catalonia and Granada, so it was like literally 10 blocks from my house. And I had been looking for the guy for over a year, and I couldn't find him. 
So I found him. And um, he, so stepping back one second, one, one, one step further. So uh, that research, I, you know, uh, we made contact with the Blanco Herrera family, Ramon Blanco Herrera, uh, uh, who's now become a very good friend and a partner. Uh, they were the founding family of La Tropical in Cuba. I, I said, uh, Ramon, I've done all this research. Uh, our families did business together in Cuba 135 years ago. And that yeah. time was 120-something. And, um, and um, I want to do this project. You know, I, I want to do this project. I think, I think someone has to save this brand. It, it meant too much to too many people. It employed thousands of people in Cuba. It was part of the, uh, the social fabric in Cuba. It, let's, let's join forces. You know, if our great-great-grandfathers did it 135 years ago, why can't we do it today? And so we did that. We joined forces, became partners. And, um, and over the past um, 23 years, I've either acquired, registered, or taken the Cuban government to, to court in about 15 countries throughout the world and taken back all of our trademarks, that. all of our registrations, that. all of our commercial rights. And, and because of that, we're in the position that we are today. What was the breaking point, though? I remember when we talked last time, well, I mean, when you told me the story originally, there was one time that really made a difference, taking them to court and that whole thing. Of when you won one certain case that really... Well, you know, the, the, the interesting thing about that is that um, a, when someone steals something from you, it's very difficult to prove that you own it or that the person who stole it own it. So, the, you know, we took them to court and, uh, and they didn't show up. So how are they going to prove that they own it? Right. And so that was the precedent. Because well, they didn't everything. own it because they stole it. Exactly. Like they stole everything else. Exactly. Right. Um, so that really, you know, was the snowball effect that, that had to have occurred that no one had tried that began to open up everything else. And, um, and you know, until I had uh, brewed it uh, ever since 1998, but it was really more of, um, you know, it, was, it wasn't my day job. Right, I was doing it as a passion project. I had I had a day job. What I, was your day job? So my day job, but uh, my day job until uh, the uh, middle two thousands uh, was in the beer business. I worked for Anheuser Busch, the world's oh, yeah? largest brewer. Oh yeah, they're big. Uh, I've heard of them. They heard of those guys, and then I actually uh, left the beer business for a while and uh, worked for Burger King Corporation. So I I'm a beer and burgers guy. I, uh, also another big company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I was with Burger King for, for almost seven years. Burger King does good work. They wanna, do good work. I want to co-sign that they do solid work. Yeah, yeah. Burger King is also helmed by a Belen graduate, Jose yes. Cecil. Jose, I take it, Jose I, was that I take back everything I said about Burger King. McDonald's <laughs> is still better. If you also like Tim Hortons and Popeye's and Chicken, Popeye's that's the same yeah. company. Yeah, 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 yeah. Popeye's does make some fucking yeah. good food, yeah. man. God bless. Thanks, Jose. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then, you know, Chicken so, so it, was, it was this, you know, really La Tropical was a legal thesis with some commercial application uh, in the United States, mostly in Cuban restaurants, uh, but not in a big way because I didn't have the capital. I hadn't, I hadn't made it my, my sort of my, my everyday job. And uh, that all changed in 2016. Um, 2015 started to change. 2016 actually happened. So in 2015... I catch wind that the Boston Beer Company uh, was coming to Wynwood with oh, a Concrete with a, Beach. Concrete Beach. That's right. Um, and um, I had, you know, before they had opened, I, you know, because of my contacts in the beer business, I had caught wind that they were coming. 
And I had a, a, a prior relationship with Jim Cook, the CEO of the Boston Beer Company, from my beer days. So uh, I called Jim. I said, hey, Jim, it's Manny. You remember? Oh, yeah, Manny, I remember you. And, uh, well, hey, listen, I hear you're coming to Wynwood. I said, you know, I don't know if you've been to Miami lately. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But this town is, uh, you know, has a lot of Latin influence. Latin culture is important. Do you have a, a, a brand that you're thinking about for this local market? And he goes, well, we're developing and we don't have anything Latin. I said, well... Let me tell you a story about this little brand that I have called La Tropical. And I told him the story. He goes, oh, man, that's a fascinating story. Uh, let's do something together. I said, okay. So I ended up signing a one-year licensing deal with the Boston Beer Company to do a sneak peek launch of La Tropical really? in May of 2016 at Concrete Beach. No way. And, uh, and, we, and so we, we, we launched it. A huge success. A, the launch party... A, there was a line that stretched four city blocks in Winwood to come in and try the beer. Love that. Okay. A, it became their number one seller in the tap room. And shortly thereafter, and I got a lot of media for it. The, the media was fantastic, you know, a lot of publicity. And probably a couple of months after the launch, I had unsolicited offers to buy the brand from the Boston Beer Company and probably every major brewery in the world. Love that. I ended up uh, selling a majority interest of La Tropical to Heineken. I've heard of them before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ads at DaveMag.com, yeah, 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 Heineken, yeah. whenever you want to and, reach out. Uh, Manny's got our number. Uh, yeah, and, uh, and those guys have been awesome. You know, they, the reason why I, I, I had multiple offers and the reason why I decided to sell to them is they bought into a big way the vision that I had for the brand. And the vision was, oh, yeah. I've been comiendo mierda for 23 years with, uh, with this thing. Right. And I'm no longer 28 years old. I'm 54 years old now. And as I tell my kids, I'm going bigger, I'm going home. That's right. And, and, That's the, and, the, and the vision was, a, let's, let's, let's establish this, uh, this brand with a Cuban soul and a Miami lifestyle. And let's, let's, let's build a brewery that is um, reflective of the global international city that Miami is today. God damn it. I love that. Yeah. Fuck. Anything less, I don't want to do it. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and so they b- bought into that and it's been awesome. We bought a piece of property in, uh, in Wynwood that they, they invested behind. So, uh, we own a one acre property in, uh, in Wynwood right now. That was, that was the other thing I said, you know, Lease or buy, lease or buy. You know, there's, oh, there's, buy, there's buy, yeah, always yeah. buy, lease, buy the dirt, buy the dirt, buy the dirt, baby, buy, buy the dirt, and that's been one of the best decisions that that, that was sure. ever made. Uh, as you know, prices in Miami keep going through the roof. What lease Do rates are, are crazy? You, you know, all these New Yorkers that decide that now we're great, yeah. you're welcome. Yeah, yeah, fucking a. Listening to the story with Shade in the background and just talk. You know, like oh, I took I took some video of you swaying uncontrollably oh, man, to Sade. Sade, shout out to Dave Arvello, this, my this neighbor. Old school stuff, you, man. you, you may not stuff. realize, Mike has a, a Sade obsession. Oh, mm. Sade is the queen. Yeah, it's the best R and B singer of all time. <laughs> this I, is uh, I don't know local. if you want to call it R and B, but whatever. It's just this genre of music. She is the best it's of all time. Awesome vibe, you know. She is incredible. Yeah, it's I I've openly said it. The only concert i will drop serious coin on is shades like serious <laughs> coin that's that's it did manny just become your favorite brewer yeah <laughs> you know um just funny side story heineken i i've never drank much the only relation i have to heineken is growing up my both my grandparents were big beer drinkers 
And it was just like, you know, natural, like they're big cooks. So like they're always cooking and they would always have a beer in their hand or whatever. And my grandfather always drank Miller High Life, always. And my grandmother always drank Heineken, always. And it, it like, I don't know, it was just what she enjoyed and what he enjoyed. But it is the biggest relation I have <laughs> to like being very young and watching them cook. And it's, you know, I've, I've always said that how that when I was younger, that uh, the influence I had that whole experience of watching them cook for a, a large group of people and how that influenced me long term. But it's always like her with a Heineken, him with a Miller High Life. There was always a six pack of each in the back fridge, not the front fridge, not the fridge in the house, fridge in the back where all the cooking happens. That's where the two six packs live. And, you know, the, the one of the, the interesting things about Heineken, one of the, you know, two, two reasons why uh, I chose to sell to Heineken. One was they bought into the vision. Obviously, they they paid a nice price too. I'm not gonna lie, right? So that 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 was nice. Money is important. Okay, but it wasn't the reason why I did what I did for 23 years. Um, the second piece is that they 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 didn't demand to buy 100 percent of the of the company. And to Love me, that. that that was super important because if you know the history of Heineken, you know that they're a family-owned business. Time out. So other people approach you and they wanted 100% of the business? Or not? Fucking, fucking sharks. Yep. Fucking sharks. Go yep. on. Yep. And Heineken was the only one that um, was open to any arrangement that I thought would work f for me. And that said a lot to me in terms of a, a being able to have a partnership with those types of people. And, you know, and, and the reason why is that the Dutch are the, probably the most international... A, a, a people that you've met, they're all you know. They, they, they. That little, that little country, the Netherlands and in, in in Europe has spread out all over the world, and they're great business people. Yola, yeah, yeah, good, good. And they're the most international brewers. They're in over 70 countries, and m the vast majority of their operations are joint ventures with founding families in each of the countries they operate. How so many how many joint ventures do they have? Do you know? Hundreds. Oh, really? Hundreds. No hundreds, shit. Hundreds. In the in the United States, though, um, they operate differently because you know most of the world they they brew Heineken in the country that they they're operating under. In right. the U.S., because of how import beer is positioned in this country, uh, it's not brewed in the United States. It's brought in from 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 Holland. It's, it's imported, right? What, what's so, the positioning of import beer? Just because I'm I'm not a beer person, so I don't know. So that is imported. So does it cost more to uh, it like? Costs, the, it costs more. To, it costs more to get the product here. It would be cheaper for them to oh, brew. Oh, so to get all the product here to brew it here, it costs more than them just brewing it over there and then shipping it over. No, there. no, no. To 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 to, it costs more to import a beer from Europe and okay. sell it here than to develop the beer here from the beginning. Got in it. other words, but so that's so in most other countries, if if they're operating in China or they're operating in Brazil. They're brewing Heineken beer in those countries for that population. In the United right. States, it's one of the few countries in the world where they don't have a brewing operation. They import their beer, and they sell it already finished product. Got it. Uh, and, and so the interesting thing is that the only two Heineken-owned breweries in the United States, one is La Tropical, so I'm very honored about that. Amen to that. And two is a, a, a craft brewery out of California called Lagunitas. Oh yeah, I've heard and of it's, them. And it's kind of interesting that they they're both Spanish brands that start with L's. Yeah, <laughs> it's a coincidence, but uh, you know, kind of interesting. Yeah, that the only two 
Yeah. Heineken owned properties in the U.S. are, are Latin no, names that start with L's. I had no idea that Lagunitas was uh, a Heineken brand. Yep. That's great. All right, so. So that's the story. What, what year, but what year did they purchase? What year did so they that, partner? So that deal was in 2017. Uh, we kept it very, very quiet. Didn't, didn't really uh, talk about it. Uh, and the reason being is that we spent the past uh, really three and a half years finding a piece of property, uh, acquiring the property, developing the property. COVID hit. You know, so we... Oh, we what's COVID? Oh, um, Let me ask you. Yeah. That moment in which... 23 years of work was vindicated by a large brewer. Second largest in the world. Right. Purchased, bought into your thing that you've been working for for so long. How did that feel? Oh, man, it was it was an awesome feeling. Yeah. I mean, I... I it's like winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, Super you know, Bowl's a big but, deal. You know, it, was a, it was like one of those, you know, when you work so hard for something and you have, you overcome so many obstacles to get there, it's... It, I, I, it's not even a feeling of joy. It's, it's, I, I started to cry, right? It was a feeling of, of just, just like absolute emotion. If you didn't uh, cry, I don't know, you know if I would have any kind of understanding yeah, of yeah, what, you know, what, and what you're going through. It's like, you know, it's like I mean, you, you played football. You, we played sports, both of us. And, you know, yeah, you, you win. But winning is so much nicer when you know you work your fucking yeah, ass yeah. for that win, right? For sure. That it didn't come easy. For sure. Things that come easy, yeah, okay, great, you celebrate. If Things it was that come easy, hard, everyone would do. Yeah, it. If, it, if it's because of, of hard work, it, it's just a, I don't know, it's a, just a great feeling, you know? I mean, I, I, I get it because people ask me all the time why I'm so, like, entrenched in the area world and, like, what happens there. And we have other businesses, but, like, why I know every nook and cranny of that place. Because I worked so hard to make sure yeah, that, that blood, thing sweat, didn't, and tears. didn't close. And I worked so hard to even open it that it's like, yeah, like, you know, it's just, it's more of a connection, you know? So you're passionate about it. You know, you're, yeah, you're, you're, it, you're it's you're, even you're, more than passionate. It is part of your fiber. Mm -hmm. You know, like people say like your work isn't your job, but this isn't just a, oh, this isn't just work. What you're doing isn't just work. This no. has been a lifelong thing yep. for you. You know, it's yep. like, and I, 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 know, I, I, get so I, I tell this to Heineken all the time. So, you know, I, I'm now a Heineken employee. Um, and, uh, and I, I meet with my partner, you know, once a month, and and I say, hey, you know, by the way, Mark, and it was Mark Bassain, president of, um, of Heineken America, said, hey, Mark, you know, and I jab him, I go, you know you're paying me for something I'd, be, I'd do for fucking free, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, for years, I, for, I and I get that, because for years, I worked that line for free, right? Like, I worked, I worked my kitchen for free, because you believe in the thing. Yeah. So I told, I mean... <laughs> Kudos to you for getting paid to do it. But I, I totally understand the fact that you would want to do it for free. I do it for free. <laughs> it, it's something you absolutely believe in. It's like when you work a nine to five and you work for someone else. You know, I get, I get the disconnect. Mm -hmm. You know, you're looking forward to the weekend. Like I look forward to work. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it's one of those things as as uh, a human being develops. Like, what is your purpose? Yeah. What's your purpose? Why? Why are you here? Why? You I mean, know, what you, do you, you enjoy doing? But you. Uh, more so, beer is obviously a thing, but you kept a part of culture alive. Yeah. Which for me is like, I like, we obviously talk about the Cuba thing here a lot. And keeping part of the culture alive is huge because the culture in, in its essence, what was, what was the culture pre-60 years ago has diminished incredibly. You, you know, know, it's funny that you, you well, not funny, but it's, it's, it, it, I'm, I'm glad you raised that point. Uh, I, I can't tell you the amount of, 
I think about hundreds upon hundreds of messages that I've gotten over the yeah. past couple of weeks that we started the entire you know pub- publicity push you know and um, I've gotten direct messaging on from LinkedIn I've gotten uh, emails people have gotten a hold of my emails my phone number a direct messaging on all of these social media sites um, of of um, what La Tropical meant to many consumers who enjoyed the beer and the gardens and 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 and, and, and as recently as as the early 2000s not just you know uh, 60 years ago um, uh, how many uh, grandkids have uh, and sons and daughters and in many cases uh, you know mothers and fathers uh, have 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 written to me about a, a family member that worked there yeah. that was associated there it's amazing right that you know uh, was the salesman there or worked at the production for, I actually I, I was telling my wife the other day and I said you know we should probably do a La Tropical employee family reunion type of thing, oh, right? And be we, it'd, be, it'd be hundreds of people. Yeah. Uh, if, I don't, not thousands. I, I don't know. I, I got to do it and see. But uh, just when you, when, you, when you get that feedback of, hey, you know, thank you for doing this. I mean, it's just such a great feeling to know that you're doing, a, you know, my little piece and trying to save it's not a little cultural, piece, bro. It's our not a heritage. Little piece. It's a big our, thing. You know? It's a big thing. Like, you know, uh, I think the Cuban culture in general – kind of gets overlooked because the i mean hispanic culture in general is so large and there's a few factions that are huge and they deserve to be huge the mexican culture the puerto rican culture mm-hmm. all of them have bring great things to the table but cuba has been this like center of the forgotten for the last 60 years because it's just in this abyss of trash for the last 60 mm-hmm. years and it's fucking 90 miles away yeah. so the only way that it will never be forgotten is by people like us keeping the thing going i actually uh somebody sent me the link to a a guy that's in california another fine dining chef that obviously california's fucking closed that was doing like pop-ups of like cuban food he was a sous chef at single thread and uh doing like good cuban food on the west coast and i reached out to him i'm like dude that's amazing thank you so much for keeping the culture alive because the culture is if we let it diminish, you know, we will be uh, rudimentary. Everyone will be drinking the Starbucks latte instead of the colada in a heartbeat. Yeah. They'll yeah. be happy to get rid of us. Yeah, yeah. Right. So the more we do what we're doing and make it difficult to be like, I guess, compartmentalized into like American culture, even though, you know, there's theories on that, too. But like to continue to keep our things alive is huge, man. Yeah, it's it, huge. it means a lot. It means it means a lot to me. It means a lot to a lot of people, and I, I'm just so happy that I can I can be a part of it. And 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 you know, with the, with the venue that we have, it's the other thing. I mean, we have capacity for 800 people. We have a venue to bring you know, post COVID, obviously, bring a lot of people together in right. in, a, in a significant way. And you know, you bring you know music into it you bring food into it you bring beer you have all the components that's the cuban culture say, man. hey let's have a party man you know that's, that's the cuban <laughs> that's culture a, let's general. have a party yeah so. i mean I, I think uh so you did a soft opening for four days now well no this was the grand opening they, oh, grand yeah, yeah opening. this this was this weekend was the was the grand opening last weekend was the soft opening we we uh, we'd opened up for the general public on uh, on uh, on uh, Friday, yeah. on Friday, and 
like I told you, I, you know, we were averaging about 500 covers a day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, which was which was just amazing. The yeah, 500 covers, being socially distanced and doing things. It's the very difficult. Way is tough. Yeah, it's and, tough, and that's amazing. Yep, yep. And uh, we, I think it would have been even more. We on on, uh, on Saturday night. Uh, and even uh, Friday, I, we, we, we had to tell people that, you know, unless you had a reservation, you, you couldn't come in. So I had some pissed off people. I, you know, I tried to apologize as much oh, as we could. Man, don't but don't worry. Uh, people are going to be pissed off, bro. Yeah. This, yeah. It, I just welcome to my world. <laughs> it is what it is. People will be pissed off. You got to do what's right for you. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I was telling you before we started recording is like, less is more. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's more important for you to understand the system of the operation than it is to just, like, open yep. because people want to be there. You're going to be open, bro. Yeah. So just they got to wait. Yeah. It yep. is what it is, man. In Miami, there's plenty of shit to do. They can go somewhere else. They will they will eventually come back, and you just have to make make sure when they come back, their experience is fucking golden. Yeah, I think that's, so, I think that's the key. And, and as a matter of fact, you know, you, you know you're right on point, and, and uh, we made a decision – until we get our staffing levels up to be able to handle that size of a crowd on a daily basis where we're not opening on Mondays and Tuesdays. You know, right. it gives us a chance to recuperate the staff, refresh the staff, and gives us time to focus a little bit on, on building a bigger pipeline of, uh, of cooks and servers and stuff that we'll need to handle 500 right. people a day. Yeah, you know, experience is huge. And I tell people all the time, like, greed is the killer of good concept. You know, like, when you just want to, like, jam your shit fucking full of people to make money the end result the long-term result will be worse Mm -hmm. so you need to be patient Mm -hmm. and like it's everything in life is not about making money you know so it's all about like this person had a great time they're going to want to come back someone else they need to come they need to have a great time they want to come back it's that residual effect that will continue being fruitful for you so i gotta you know as you know, when you when you open a restaurant, you have you have reviews on Google and Yelp and, uh, what and, is uh, a and Open Table and what and, is uh, a review? And then you know now with social media, you have all types. What I, is social media? <laughs> I received you know, we, and we have we have hundreds of them, and um, <laughs> but there was one that stood out that I want okay. I want to talk about because I thought it was just so so cool. So I received a, a message um, from a gentleman by the name of uh, William Muir, Billy okay. Muir. 77 years old. Oh, that's cool. Bay of Pigs veteran. Oh, um, I lo- now I love this story. Okay. Who, who decided to, that he wanted to support La Tropical. And on, on Saturday, he took his family of, of eight people, uh, his, his daughters, his son, uh, and some of his grandkids, mm-hmm. to La Tropical to celebrate his 77th birthday. Amazing. And... He had a wonderful experience. He wrote a review where he said that this was the fourth best event in his life. The fuck. first being... Fuck, man. Yeah. 77 years, yeah, for fuck's yeah, sake. Yeah, yeah. So it was his, uh, it was, uh, the, uh, his, his marriage to his wife was one of them. Um, uh, fighting for Cuba was the second one. Amen being that. released from prison was the third. Jeez. Who is this guy? Can we get him on the podcast? From... Political prison, obviously, on, on, for 2506. Uh, and then this one was, you know, the, and the reason why was not just because of La Tropical, but La Tropical offered him the opportunity to bring his family so that he can 
retell his story Amazing. about Cuba, of where we come from, of why this is important, how we're all connected, how you know we need to maintain unity through generations. And he was able to use the, the venue of La Tropical and the history of La Tropical right. to communicate that in a way that if he would have done it at his home, people wouldn't have given a shit, maybe. The culture, man. The culture. The culture. What we were talking about. And I said, yeah. you know, that, yeah. that, made my, that made my entire week. Right. And I, I think that that's, that is the entirety of why, at least why I do this, why, like, Ariad exists, why Chugs will exist, like... It, similarly, but not to that extent, because that's an incredible story. And I don't know, Nick, can you contact this guy so we can have him on the podcast? We'll go to his house. He's seventy-seven. I'll put you in contact with Billy because that's that. that's that's an incredible story, and I want to know more about it. But you know, like there was an older gentleman sitting at the table. I always feel bad for the people that are sitting directly behind me when I'm expediting because I'm a savage, right? Like when I expedite, obviously people have called me exhibit. On reviews, X to the Z. Yeah, that Nick has read. I heard, on, I heard you like foie on your foie, foie. So I put foie on your foie so you can foie what you foie. Right. Uh, <laughs> on this podcast, we've read that review, and I love that um, comparison, actually. And an older gentleman was eating with his family for brunch on Saturday. And, um, you know, the tables that are right by me, I always pay special attention. So I'm making sure that, you know, the food is coming, whatever. And they just seem to be having a great time. And at the end of their meal, he gets up and he goes, uh, he just looks at me, he goes, do you know who sings a song? I go, yeah, it's La Lupe. You know, this, you know, I obviously know all the music because I choose all the music. Right. And he was like, you're, you're Michael? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm Michael. He goes, great fucking job. And he was like, you know, like you're Cuban. And he knew the whole story. Yeah, that's awesome. He knew the whole story. He was like, this was incredible. Thank you so much for doing this. And like, that is in essence why I do this. Yeah. Because of stuff like that. Yeah, not the, because the, of not because of the money, not because of the ego, not because of any not because of, that of the shit. hours. <laughs> Definitely not because of the hours. But it, it's because of the keeping the culture alive, keeping yeah, the thing alive, keeping that the thing that going. Fuels all of us. It well, I think it fuels the few that find purpose in it. Because mm. it doesn't it, it's not purpose for everybody. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's very indicative on the person, like, you know, to work for something for 23 years, I'm I'm young. So I worked for this for 10, 12 years, and then it happened, and I, I'm grateful for that. But 23 years is a long time. got to be committed. you got to be committed. It's, <laughs> you got to be a stubborn son of a bitch. <laughs> that relentless attitude for me is, like, the, the, the best thing, man. It's the best. But look at, look at it now. Yeah. You know, I mean – being a brand of Heineken, being able to produce a beer that was lost to a culture and to a people and to a thing. And I'm sure a lot of people look at it as a financial gain, which is obviously a thing. Yeah. But it's still super fucking amazing. Yeah, thank you, man. You should be very proud of that. Thank you. I'm proud of that. <laughs> it's not even my beer. I'll drink it anywhere that it's available. You know? Well, it'll soon be available. You know, we, we, we launched um, in the tap room right now. We, we have... Uh, Three brands, La Tropical, La Original, whose formula dates back to 1888. You know, really smooth, uh, amber, Vienna-style lager. Um, I drank it. Be, yeah, you drank it. That'll, delicious. That, that'll be the flagship, 4.5% alcohol, very drinkable, especially with a frita cubana. That's my favorite. You know, you can't, can't go wrong with that. Um, 
We have another uh, brand. available here at Arietta on yeah, the Happy yeah, Hour will menu. Be, is will the be, Frita Cubana by be, Michael yeah. Beltran. And that's what we got. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we have another brand, which is uh, we're calling a Suave IPA called Nativo Key. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a new brand. Obviously, it didn't exist in Cuba with that name. And uh, it's a, a play on the Florida Keys and Key Biscayne and, my, you know, the Keys lifestyle. Yeah. It's a tropical, you know, IPA. Again, only 4.5% in alcohol, but a nice nice kick to it in terms of the bitterness. Very tropical floral notes and passion fruit and mango. And then I, I got to tell the story of, of, uh, of this double IPA because it's a, it's, a, it's a fun story. So, you know, um I asked our, our brewers, you know, that uh, in addition to these two flagship beers that we were going to launch, that I, you know, I, I wanted to test the limits of this new German brewing system that we had put in. Okay. And this is a mega brewing system, you know, really top of the line. And uh, I said, you know, we got to brew like a double IPA, you know, real rich, complex, you know, thick beer to see if we can, we can brew that through this system. What's, I'm sorry, just so people have context, what's comparable? Um, what would be comparable on a double IPA? Um, um, in terms of a brand you're, you're talking about? Just like a, a, something that's maybe rudimentary co- commercial-wise that people would know. People, there's not a lot of commercial double IPAs. Okay, you, okay. You, 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 you'll find them more often in tap rooms. Okay. Right, because I, they're very heavy beers. That don't have a lot of um, is Guinness, is Guinness something? No, that's no, no, no. Guinness, Guinness. Actually, Guinness. People have a misconception on on Guinness. I Guinness love Guinness. is a, it's I one love of my, it's favorite one of my favorite beers. beers. Yeah, one of my favorite too. beers. And this time yeah. of year, Guinness even, and a Jameson is like my my go-to. Guinness. People think Guinness is a very heavy beer because it's dark. No, but it's not. It's not. It's, it's super delicious. Oh, beer, God. low alcohol. Guinness and a Jameson. Oh God. So, so go, many go, nights. So, going so back, many nights. So going back to the double IPA. Double IPA is a very complex beer. It has a you know double hopping, a dry hopping process where you hop in the in the in the, in the brew house and in the in the uh, whirlpool, but then you also hop when it's in fermentation with something called a hop gun, which is really cool. It's like this uh, this mechanical device that you stick a hose in it and you shoot hops into the fermenter. It's really cool. Sounds um, like a good time. Yeah, it's a good time. You, you boom, boom, boom. Yeah, it's really cool. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the sound effect we were using. Yeah. Boom, and boom, so, boom. It's a so, good time. So you know we're these, you know I'm, we're, we're 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 brewing this double IPA and. And we're still learning the system. It's a brand new system. You know, like, like anything, you, you got to calibrate the system and make sure you understand how it works. And uh, brewers um, overpitched the yeast. So they basically added more yeast than what they should have to this double IPA. And long and behold, you know, uh, it fermented very, very quickly, quicker than normal. Heard that. And what should have been a 7%, 8% max spec beer in terms of alcohol... It, uh, when they reported to me what the spec of the beer was, it was at 9.8, almost 10% alcohol. All right. That's it's a, a good Saturday night. Man, All right. Double IPA, 10% alcohol. You guys, what the fuck did you guys do here? And uh, we had these, you know, these, these all, all these plans. We were going to do this double IPA. We were going to call it after one of the, the trees in, in our garden, uh, after the gumbo limbo tree, because we have this, this, this thing. We we're going to, these uh, beers, we're going to call them after the trees in our garden. And when they came back and said, "No, Manny, you know we have a problem," I said, "Well, what, Houston? What's what? What's the problem? Houston? What's we have the problem? a problem. Hey, well, it's, it's almost ten percent. I go, I, I can't call it like shit gumbo limbo. It doesn't even make sense. 
So let's call it gasolina. <laughs> Shout out to Daddy Yankee over there in Puerto Rico with Daddy all Yankee. our Boricua friends. Daddy Yankee, gasolina. if you have a new album coming out, that's, that's a great name. Name. Let's go, dale, 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 gasolina. I'm sorry, uh, as per mine and Nick's conversation earlier, we haven't had the uh, approval to use this line, but we have used it. That's my parting recommendation. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So we christened it Gasolina, and it's been a hit, man. People have loved the name. Uh, we're having a lot of fun telling the story, a lot of fun ordering the beer. I'm going to Gasolina, and the people, oh, you know, you know. You guys are living La Vida yeah, Loco. Yeah. Right? So it's been, Relax, it's been, Nick. It's been we're about to get fun. a cease and desist here. <laughs> Relax. Desmond, Desmond, whatever. Desmond Child. Desmond Child's <laughs> coming for us. We've launched them in the tap room. We're getting ready to package next week um, La Original and Nativo Key in both cans and kegs. And uh, hopefully uh, by early March, we'll be distributing that product to other bars, restaurants, and I can't wait to carry it all uh, everywhere. Thank you. Thank you. I can't wait to carry it everywhere. I mean, uh, it's, I, the story makes me, it gives me, as the kids say, the feels. <laughs> right, that's what the kids say now. Uh, all the feels. I'm all in my feels with this. Oh. Yeah, someone told me that earlier. It made it gave me the feels, and I was like, "All right, got it." <laughs> you said, "I hate that, but I'll use it later." No, I'm okay. I'll you know, I get I get the context of it. Right, you're so, hip. You're huh? hip. I'm hip. Yeah, you're hip. I'm hip. I, <laughs> yeah. You wear beanies. <laughs> <laughs> I, listen, the beanie happened today because I woke up at four. 45 this morning and i wasn't sure if it was gonna be cold that thing must smell great fuck off <laughs> you know it's, it's you know give me, throw me a bone here man. <laughs> jesus christ so you're open we're open beers are happening march things will roll out for large production yep. for other people to buy other people to buy and how are you feeling oh man just just awesome I, you know i'm humbled by all the feedback i'm excited about you know finally realizing this vision in a big way i you know i i'm ecstatic about the beer i'm ecstatic about the place you know i you know i had always envisioned not just a brewery in my mind for the past 23 years i wanted a full cultural immersion experience not only in some of the things that we brought back you know and so so it's interesting so I've never wanted to copy what was in the past. I don't believe in copying the past. The past when you, when is you the past. Say, when you say copying, do you mean... Um, I want to interpret the past. Okay, that's cool. I love that. I'm okay. all about interpretation. Yeah, so, so you know, things, you, you know, the, the, whether it's the beer, whether it's the gardens, whether it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the architecture, you can't copy what was a masterpiece in Cuba. And anyone trying to copy a masterpiece is going to fail. What you Hold can on, do is... Nick, are you okay? <laughs> Nick, Nick, I'm worried. The podcast will end if Nick cannot continue. I mean, this thing is still recording if I keel over. So yeah. Yeah. We always have next week. So, so you know, what I wanted to do with La, with La Tropical was to, was to reinterpret it for sure. today's consumers. Yeah. Re-envision. Re-envision what, right. what, what that was and put up put a spin on it that was uh, relevant to 2021. The consumers that we have here in, in Miami, which sure. is different than what was in Cuba, you know, 60 years ago. Miami and, and the world, really. And, and the world. And so, you know, what we've envisioned is, like I said, is this Cuban brand that has a Cuban heart and a Cuban 
heartbeat and soul and never forgetting our past. You know, we will, we will celebrate our past. But going forward, it's all about a, a Miami lifestyle. You know, fuck, we were talking about it. Everybody and their mother wants to move here now, right? Whether yeah. you're a corporation, whether you're, you know, you're a tech firm, an, an investment banking firm, a private yeah. equity firm, or you're stuck in your, your some schlep in, 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 in New York, stuck in an apartment. Yeah, Everybody you know, before you thought wants we were to, shit, and yeah. now you want to come here. Everybody you're welcome. Was, so, you know, why? Well, we got this freaking weather that's amazing, other than maybe a month or two throughout the summer. But then again, we have a pool or, or a beach, and, and you, you solve that problem, or, or, or air conditioning, you solve that problem. And so you have this wonderful weather. We have a, a city that really, you know, from when I grew up, it's changed dramatically. It's sure. no, no longer sure. even just a gateway city. It's a global city now. Correct. Right. I mean, I, th- this is this is a place that we are we are a gateway to the global community. To the global 150%. community, not just Latin America anymore. It right. used to be just Latin America. Now it's now it's a global city. Um, we have an investment climate from a tax perspective that's fantastic. Right. I mean, you're I, welcome. No state income tax. Right. I mean, you know, you're in New York. You're screwed. You're, you're welcome, Tom Brady. Yeah. yeah you're yeah, welcome. Yep. Yeah. And and now we have a mayor that uh, has his arms wide open. Welcome everybody. So. We're gonna get that. We're gonna put it in. Try to package all that shit inside of a of a tropical can and, right. and sell it everywhere. You know, yeah. that's that's the idea. Yeah, we could we could get the mayor out of the <laughs> tropical can, but everyone else we can we can put them in the can. Was that your was, attempt to contain yourself? Yeah, it was my attempt to contain myself. We we don't want to put the mayor. Oh. Not 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 the biggest uh, Francis Suarez fan over here. No, it's it's not even that. It's like I, you know, I'm not whoring myself out to the West Coast. Never. Yeah, I mean. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, yeah we'll stay on topic. We'll stay on topic. This is uh, everyone out there in the YouTube world. This is Nick keeping me on topic. Nice. <laughs> good good job. Everybody wants to come here, right? And, and so I think there's something special about Miami at this point in time that if we position the product correctly, you know, we can, we can, we can pursue that while at the same time uh, leveraging our Cuban heritage, the fact that, you know, we were the first – beer ever produced in cuba and 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 because of sort of that positioning this is very important as well is go after a broad market sure right because if you think about it from a pure market segmentation perspective a craft segmentation that is a big word big word big 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 marketing word word. nick nick is a segmentation nick Nick you're gonna have to he he could probably translate google segmentation for our listeners apologies to the explorers in our audience he went to blend exactly (laughs) (laughs) joaquin if you're out there fuck nick i'm sorry (laughs) so so simply said craft beer is and the craft beer industry is a very a young industry in sure. Miami. While yeah. it developed in the west coast of the United States and even in the northeast 20 to 25 and 30 years ago, in the South Florida market, in Miami specifically, it's only been around for less than seven or eight years. Correct. And so the size of that market is about um, a sixth share of the overall beer market. It's very small. Imported beer in Miami is close to 50% of the overall it Totally makes check. sense to me. And so if you have a brand like La Tropical where you can 
and I, I like to use the expression dance because we, you know, we Cubans got to dance. We got to dance. I'm not dance. a dancer, yeah. but we yeah. dance. We got rhythm. So we got we to gotta dance. We got between, rhythm. We got to dance between the craft and the import market, leveraging whatever attribute we think makes sense when we're, when we're focused on either markets. Instead of going after a 6% share of market, we're going after a 56% share of market. Love that. And that's the sort of that's that's the vision. And then if La Tropical can do this right and play on both sides of the market, we have a chance of, of having a lot of success. I think something you said was very important when you say re-envisioning the culture because there's certain factions of I think selling our culture and cheapening that, right? Which is not your goal, which I think is huge. Right, like selling the. Uh, I won't go into specifics, but like just cheapening the brand of Cuban culture because Cuban culture is super in depth and it goes back a long time. So to keep it real and keep it honest and keep doing like what you believe in and what the culture is all about is huge, right? Because I think in essence that's what our culture is missing. You know, like, stay true to the culture, be real to the culture, and then, you know, continue that over time so other people learn about the culture and how special and real it is, is the goal for people like you and I. Yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, you know, to say it really s simple, it's, you know, we, we, you're trying to do it, I'm trying to do it, it's, 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 a, it's a way to bring people together. We're not trying. We are, we are doing now. Yeah, bring people We are doing. You are no longer trying. You are doing, <laughs> sir. You are doing. After 23 years yeah, of trying, you are doing, now we're doing. doing. We're doing. For gotta, five days, you have been doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have doing. been doing So that. bringing people together. And, and as you bring people together and you do it as you, uh, as you say in a, in a sort of a, a way that makes sense and, and it, it doesn't cheapen the culture, it's, it's authentic. I think that's the word I'm looking for. It has to be authentic. Yeah, real. If it's authentic, then... Everything works out. If it's not authentic, then it's bullshit. You know, it doesn't work out. So you do it authentically. Smoke you get and real, mirrors. Yeah, yeah. Smoke and mirrors. Yep. Man, I fucking love that. Nick, what do you got? This is one of my favorite subjects so far. Is it? And, and on it to be one hundred percent honest, I'm I'm not much of a beer person. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not either. Obviously, I'm drinking. I'm even less. It's, I'm it's, even less of a beer guy. Uh, but I remember loving the beer that I had with you at La Tropical back when you were at Concrete at Beach. At the Peak uh, yeah. Launch at Concrete Beach. Yeah. 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 Um, so I mean, Mike, I don't know if you're ready to start the wind down. I know that you know we had to. We want to get Manny out of here at a reasonable and hour. Now, bing, and now, bing, bing. And now the wind down. So Manny, I don't know whether uh, your esteemed publicist Larry Carino prepared you for this. But Larry is uh, your publicist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In oh fact, man! So, so Manny. That's great. I love Larry, he's a good guy, even though yeah. we disagree so much. Uh, so, so he's, he's a good guy. I'm his most I, uh, uh, difficult go. client. So, <laughs> I, I fucked up a little bit because Manny and I had been in touch since years and years ago, uh, and then coincidentally, Larry had suggested we have Manny on as a guest, and I kind of mixed up all the things and I got in touch with Manny and I was like, Oh yeah, this was clearly uh, my idea to reach back out to Manny. And Larry was like, Nick, could you please let Manny know that this was my idea? <laughs> Nick, Nick, Nicholas, Nicholas. Yeah. So credit to Larry Carino here. You know, this would have happened eventually, but it happened sooner than it would have otherwise. Uh, but 
Anyway, so what I was going to say was, I don't know whether he prepared you, but we always do parting recommendations. So we end with everybody, not shameless plugs, because that comes after. Uh, that's where you let everybody know where to find you. But something you want to recommend to listeners. It could be absolutely anything. A song, a book, a, a It's the only dish. structured part of the show. Okay. And that's being generous. <laughs> uh, and you can recommend as many things as you want. Recommend I'm, a donut. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to start. Okay. I'm going to start. I'm going to recommend that everybody get on YouTube. This came out in the last few days. Vice put out the most fascinating short documentary I have seen in a long time. It's the story of the thong song. <laughs> I, I it's, it's, watch this today. It, it, I mean, seriously, it has everything. It has. It is riveting. It has riveting. musical creativity details. It has a legal battle. Cisco's still around. Cisco's still around. Cisco actually seems like a really nice dude. Yeah. Uh, Shout out to Cisco. If you want to be on the show, Cisco, hit us up. So, you know. Love your music. And also. Got me through high school. Like, at the time, I, like, like you said, I was in high school. I didn't realize when I was listening to the Thong song that even Cisco was just becoming aware of the existence of Thongs. Yeah. This was like. No, his, I mean, I'm from Miami. I have known Thongs that have been around thing. for a long time. And the video was in Miami. It's like Miami. And there's a bunch of buses with Thong people. Uh, that's right. So uh, go check out the story of the thong song. This is a Vice uh, short doc. It's available on YouTube. All those things. Manny, you have something you want to recommend? Sure. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll recommend um, sort of uh, something that I would uh, I would recommend for our our customers to discover at La Tropical. Okay. And there's two things that or more than I'm two sorry. Things. I'm sorry. I'm going to interrupt you here. This sounds like a shameless plug. Well, no, no, it's not a plug. It's okay, like, okay, it's okay. Not, it's, not All a, right. a, a, it's not about Nick, the beer. Shut your it's mouth. not about the beer. Hey, listen, I'm, so, the, I'm the cop around here. So, you know, we're in, we're, in, we're in Wynwood, right? So, you know, a big part of the culture in Wynwood is art. So I hire this um, this uh, art muralist, Rigo Leon. We've become very good friends now. A Cuban guy has been here maybe about 10 or 15 years. He's, he's an artist, fantastic artist. And... Um, he uh, had been recommended to me by another friend, Omar uh, Pardillo, um, who's uh, Celia Cruz's uh, manages her estate. Um, Amen and, to him. Yeah, super cool guy. And um, and uh, so he he we meet. We have an instant connection. Super nice guy. I like his style. He he paints this um, art with a lot of movement and colors, and you know. Uh, dance uh, movements with the, these figurines and uh, he um, he sold me on on painting the outer walls of La Tropical so we you know we embark on on some of the mock-ups that he's thinking of doing whatever and as I'm looking at him you know I, I said you know this looks wonderful but you know is there is there anything else that that you can add he goes well I didn't want to tell you this but a because I didn't want you to think that, that you know you were going to hire me just for this, but a, my mother was a a model for La Tropical in Cuba in the 1950s and 60s. Wow. And I would like to paint her on the wall. Wow. I said, well, okay, that's pretty cool. That's a, you know, what an angle, man, you know, that, that, that I hire this, this artist, and you start painting the wall, and then all of a sudden I find out. So anyhow, when you go to La Tropical, at the front entrance of La Tropical, you'll find a, a, a beautiful face uh, with a Carmen Miranda-like um, thing on her head with fruit. 
and that is Regal's mother in the 1950s wow. uh, that he painted in the wall. So even the artist that we hire has a connection to the Cuban brewery pre-1960. Jeez, how do you how do you follow that up with parting recommendations? So discover Regal's mom. Pressure's on, Beltran. Fuck, man. Parting recommendations. Jeez. All right, this has been a great show. I'm out of here, everyone. Fucking a. Um, man, that's amazing. I mean, I, I love the like constant connection, right? That's like the biggest thing I think. Nick, what are your parting recommendations? I just recommended the thong song. That was it. I mean, yeah. I feel like it's buying time. Yeah, I am. I am one hundred percent buying time right now. I have. I have no. I have nothing to recommend. Okay, so I'm also going to recommend. There you go. Perfect. I'll I'll loan you this one. Loan it. Uh, And we shared this on on Instagram. But uh, go and check out. Uh, Peter Santamaria's video about the printmaking. Best. We will will include the link in our show notes to that. I'd like video. to recommend Peter Peter Santamaria's uh, printmaking video. But you saw it, right? The one where he's at Miami yeah, Dade. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was super cool. So Peter Santamaria is a past guest. He's a printmaking artist, and uh, he also he, went to Columbus. He also went to Columbus. That's correct. Uh, and uh, so anyway, yeah, check check out uh, that video. It was very cool to see that part of the process. Uh, also. Uh-huh. Coming soon to DadeMag.com. This is where we'll. This is my transition to shameless plugs. That so is be, a, such a shameless. Plug. I'll do our shameless plugs, but this is, there's a little bit of a of an overlap here. So, uh, DadeMag.com. You can find Pancom Podcast on all ads the social media things at Pancom Podcast at the DadeMag.com. But also very soon, uh, I, as a favor, produced a video. Uh, for past guest Ricardo Paullosa. Do you know oh. him by any chance from the Alumni Association? What, what, what you, uh, oh, class okay. of 70 something, maybe. No, I don't think so. Um, so he's a, he's a poet, uh, a, a Pulitzer nominated poet. Uh, and a lot of his poetry is based on art. So he's also one of the foremost critics of Latin American art in the world. Mm. Uh, I would love for you two to meet if you haven't met him. Yeah, before. I would love to meet him. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take him over to, to La Tropical sometime. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Uh, so yeah. I did a, a video for him because now that all the conferences are digital and via Zoom and all that, I did a video for him where he's reading some of his poetry. And most of his poetry is based on paintings, whether they're in his collection or paintings that he has seen out in the world. Uh, but there was one p- poem that did not have a corresponding uh, artwork. And it was about his, it was based on his, I guess, memories uh, as a kid of going and watching Godzilla and King Kong movies. And so I just sort of like as an FYI, I sent him some of Peter's work and he was like, hey, why don't you ask Peter if we can use his work in this video? And so it's Rigardo reading poetry about King Kong and Godzilla (laughs) over Peter's prints of King Kong and Godzilla. That is incredible. Uh, and so that's coming soon to DadeMag.com. Oh, man. That uh, is actually – that is incredible, and I can't wait to see that. Worlds colliding. Uh, yeah, that is worlds colliding. Yeah. And yeah. so – and also by, – and by the way, I also found it, like, very gratifying as far as, like, our podcast taste in art that Ricardo was like, I want that guy's stuff in my video. Yeah. That was cool. Hey, Peter's amazing. Peter's great. Ricardo is uh, also amazing, but yeah. different worlds of different art. kinds of amazing, different worlds of art. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and so I will end my shameless plug segment by saying, 
If you want to support what we're doing around here, it's patreon.com slash DadeMag. Get yourself a mug. M-A-G. If you're in the $15 or more category. Look at Philip. He's so happy. I mean, we have a lot of mug people now. We do? We have more mug people. Someone named Anthony Joffrey, I think is how you pronounce Anthony, his name. God bless you. I don't know who that guy is. He's on his way to a mug. Congratulations, Anthony. You're a part of a I don't even club. have a fucking mug. I don't, I've never even been in the same room as a mug. I've, I've, been, <laughs> I've been in a room with a mug, and it's and it's it's pretty epic. So that's patreon.com slash mag if you want to support what we're doing around here. Uh, Manny, plug all your things. Tell everybody where they can find so, your stuff. Okay, so here's, here's a shameless plug that uh, is a fun story, too. So... A lot of stories that, 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 that we got. That's what we're about here. Um, I have at La Tropical in the merchandising rack when you walk into the uh, the brewery, the only unopened bottle of La Tropical oh, that you I showed me this. Yep, oh wow! Yep, it's over a hundred years old. That's cool. And uh, I have it behind glass, um, and so it's the only unopened bottle that, that I've been able to get my hands on. If one exists, I, I don't know where, where it is. Um, and what's incredible is not just the bottle. It's the story behind the bottle. And the story behind the bottle is even more incredible. In 1998, um, the Miami Herald did an article on this legal strategy that I had put together when I, when I started it. And two weeks later... I get a knock on my door. And so he, about 80 years old at that time, he had read the article in a Nuevo Herald that also published it as well. Right. And uh, he found me, and he brought a shoebox with him. So I opened the door and let him in, and he tells me his story that, uh, you know, he had read the article in the Nuevo Herald that... Um, that, uh, you know, he, he had this had been handed to him by his father. He didn't have any children, and it meant a lot to him. We were talking about, again, why it meant a lot to him, because it reminded, reminded him of his youth, of, 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 of this, this, this uh, you know, this, this, this vein that ran through his family, of tropical, tropical, and blah, blah, blah. And he said, you know, uh, I know you'll take care of it. I want to leave it with you. And I always said to myself, when I own a brewery one day, and I can put this up on a shelf, going so that bottle is at the brewery because this gentleman brought it to me 23 years ago amazing and so when you go to la tropical make sure you go see the bottle it's over 100 years old um because it's pretty you know it's just a bottle but it has so much meaning of course you know I have no shameless plug to follow that. Uh, uh, Big Ink area at Miami. Yeah, the people tourists. can follow all the things. Nave uh, Miami. Yeah. All those things. All Chugs. We're doing. Do, you, do you have a rapid fire Patreon thing? You uh, do when is Chugs open? I know you're under development right now. Yeah, five months, hopefully. That's the goal right now, five months. So I mean, it'd be perfect timing. We'll be out of COVID. It would be uh, on the way out. One one can hope. One can hope. Let's do a rapid fire. This or that. You want to do a rapid fire? This yeah, or? your usual right, repertoire. Right. So if you're if you're a Patreon only person, uh, for the mug not, people. If you're not a Patreon person, this is where it ends. Boop. If you're a Patreon person, it's a you hot will hear, 
hot button issue. Hot button. Hot, I mean, maybe hot button. I don't know. I don't know what you have planned. So I, my only shameless plug, I think, would be to look out for uh, PD's OnlyFans. That's right. PD's OnlyFans. PD, if you are a fan of PD the dog and you'd yeah. like to see extra pictures of his penis, uh, that's only fans. And on, on Twitter, just because I like their name, look up Only Flans. Only Flans. I was a big, <laughs> is really I was good. A big, big fan of Only Flans. All right, so if you're a Patreon person, this is not where it ends. You will hear Mike's rapid-fire questions. Rapid-fire. This or that for Manny Puntuando.